SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Monday, the 19th of February, we have some current affairs stories shared with us by uh, NITV's current affairs program, uh, NOLA, including the story of a black opera that's been wowing audiences in WA, also the story of First Nations artists who dominated the Actor Awards last week. Also in your program today, we have a conversation with the Eastern Torres Strait Islander artist Keyword Connell, talking about his debut EP, Project Keyword. In ITV Radio, we also look at Medicare as the healthcare system turns 40 this year, with experts warning many in the community do not understand the Medicare system. All these stories and more coming to you on ITV Radio after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. Bulletin, Independent Senator Jackie Lambie welcomes tax cuts, calls on the government to do more to tackle cost of living pressures. Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek accuses Peter Dutton of helping people smugglers advertise. And at least 53 people killed in a massacre in Papua New Guinea. Independent Senator Jackie Lambie says she's not surprised Australians say they're in favour of tax cut changes considering cost of living pressures. The latest Australian Financial Review Freshwater Strategy poll suggests Australians are broadly supportive of the Albanese government's new changes to the Stage 3 tax cuts. The amended cuts will see taxpayers saving money, with 84% of people benefiting greater than they would have under the coalition's original scheme. The polling shows 44% support the new changes compared with 15% who opposed them. Senator Lambie says the tax cuts will help, but the government needs to do more to address the financial pain many Australians are feeling. I just think that people are feeling it really tough. It's not just about the tax cuts, it's about the lack of housing out there. It's about the, the supermarket prices that are going on, uh, the, fuel price, the fuel prices, and God forbid there'll be electricity bills starting to come in after that Christmas period. So I think it needs to go a lot further. This isn't just a one-move thing. Mm. You're going to have to make multiple moves, moves here. And, and, you know, one of the things I think, one of the biggest things is those goddamn electricity prices. 
Asbestos has been confirmed at more sites across Sydney as three schools wait on results. Domremi College at Five Dock in Sydney's Inner West became the fifth school to confirm asbestos following a number of sites being tested after asbestos was found in March at, uh, at, in a mulch at Liverpool West Public School last week. The college remains open today with the contaminated site isolated and cordoned off. Results are still to be confirmed at three southwest Sydney schools, Edmondston Park Public School, Mount Annan Christian College at Currens Hill and Trinity Catholic Primary School at uh, Camps Creek. Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek has accused Peter Dutton of helping people smugglers advertised by claiming the federal government has softened its border security measures. This comes after around 40 men arrived by boat near the remote Western Australian community of Bigo Bay last week. The men, reportedly from Pakistan, India and Bangladesh, have now been taken to Australia's offshore immigration detention centre on Nauru. The announcement has been harsh, has seen harsh words exchanged between Prime Minister Antony Albanese and opposition leader Peter Dutton, who says Australia's border operations have weakened under the Albanese government. Minister Plibersek says the border policy has not changed since the former coalition government and saying otherwise is only serving the smugglers' agenda. Police in Papua New Guinea say at least 53 people have been killed in what the men appear to have in have been killed, what authorities believe could be the largest massacre in the country's recent history. The men appear to have been shot dead in what police say is an ambush in Enga province in the northern highlands of the country. The ABC reports that police expect to find more bodies as they search through the surrounding bushland. Authorities believe the men were attacked while they were en route to attack a neighbouring tribe. The region is known for tribal fighting, with reports from PNG police last August that 150 people had been killed in the province throughout 2023. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has again rejected pressure from the international community to minimize his military pressure on Gaza. And the more he moves towards the... And his military assault on Gaza and moved towards the recognition of a Palestinian state. The far-right leader says granting the Palestinians a state would be rewarding the act of violence led by Hamas on October 7, when almost 1,200 people were killed in southern Israel. Russia says it has captured the Ukrainian town of Avdivka after a strategic withdrawal by Ukraine forces. Russian President Vladimir Putin has hailed the fall of the city as an important victory, but Russian defense authorities say some Ukrainian troops are still hiding in a vast Soviet-era coke plant. The loss of the city, Russia's biggest gain since capturing the city of Bakhmut in May 2023, comes almost two years since Mr. Putin triggered a full-scale war by ordering the invasion of Ukraine. United States President Joe Biden says Ukraine's withdrawal to save troops from being fully surrounded after months of fierce fighting was forced by dwindling supplies because funding has been held up by U.S. Republicans in Congress. Back home, Reverend Ian Wilkerson, the sole survivor of a deadly mushroom-laced launch in Melbourne last, 
Last July has broken his silence over the incident that killed three of his relatives, including his wife. The woman accused of murdering the three, Erin Patterson, has been charged with, the three, with three counts of murder and five of attempted murder after serving a beef wellington dish containing death cup mushrooms at her home in South Gippsland. Patterson has denied the accusations and is due to face court again in May. The 70-year-old Mr. Wilkinson, Wilkinson, who is a pastor at his local church, has delivered his first sermon since the event. He's been reflecting on the difficult period in footage obtained by the Herald Sun. At the start of the week, uh, it was six months since uh, Heather and Gail and Don went to be with the Lord. And yesterday was our 45th wedding anniversary. The way is sometimes hard, but uh, God is good. He is with us. He promised never to leave or forsake us. And I can say that is true. Ex-Cyclone Lincoln is barreling towards Western Australia, bringing heavy rainfall and dangerous flood, flash flooding to towns in its path. The weather system is now located near Lajamanu in the west of the Northern Territory and he- is heading towards WA's Kimberley region. It should reach the border later today with the Bureau of Meteorology warning that there may be floods and river rises through Kimberley in the coming days. Meanwhile, Buckley, Northern Tanami and the South Gregory districts like Karkanji in the NT should prepare for potential flash flooding today. And in swimming, Isaac Cooper and the women's four times 100 meter medley relay team have finished the World Swimming Championships in Doha on a high, winning two gold medals for Australia. Cooper topped the podium in the men's 50 meter backstroke and was soon followed by the women's relay team who claimed the final gold to confirm the Dolphins' third place on the medal table. With three golds, nine silvers, and four bronzes, Australia's 116 medal tally in the pool was only exceeded by the USA, who had 20 medals overall, eight of them gold. And now, having a look at the weather around the country this Monday afternoon, broom, partly cloudy. Partly sunny, 32 degrees. Perth, similar conditions, 42. Adelaide, sunny, 34. Melbourne, cloudy, 23. Hobart, same forecast, 21. Albury, Wodonga, sunny, 33. Canberra, showers and a possible storm, 26. Wollongong, showers, 25. Sydney, showers increasing, 27. Newcastle, similar conditions, 29. Brisbane, showers, 30. Townsville, cloudy, 31. Keynes, showers, 30. Alice Springs, cloudy, 36. Darwin, a shower, 2. 32 degrees and the Torres Strait Islands scattered thunderstorms and a top of 30 degrees and that is NITV Radio News NITV Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online Eastern uh, Torres Strait Islander artist Kiwat Connell has just uh, unveiled his debut EP, Project Kiwat. And I'm glad to say Kiwat has just joined us on NITV Radio to tell us all we need to know about uh, this EP. Kiwat, congratulations and uh, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. This EP has been uh, long coming. Now, before going to this interview, maybe let's start by... Uh, a quote from uh, the press release. 
Yes. You say that uh, Project Keyword is a manifestation of uh, your personal struggles and the work that you've done on yourself. Can you elaborate on this? As I have mentioned, Project Keyword um, is a reflection on the work that I've done on myself as an individual. A few years back, I was in probably one of the lowest points of my life. Um, I had a lot of loss, a lot of friends leave my life, heartbreak, and I was struggling with my own personal identity in the wake of all of these people leaving my life from a mistake that I caused. So Project Keyword is a series of works that actually reflect all of the work that I've done on myself to overcome that and yeah. get to a point where I feel strong within myself as a person and have a strong balanced mental health as well. And you're able to overcome uh, that, uh, I would say, grief and uh, tough uh, moment in life yeah yeah overcoming grief and loss and trying to find out who i am as an individual and basically rise up from the ashes to do something constructive and channel all of what i used to be was an angry person into something constructive and this is how this whole uh, ep came came to life it's an EP with four trucks. Yes. Waste, yes, distance, yep. MOTH, matter of the heart, and uh, yep. breaks my heart. Just yeah. by uh, looking at uh, these uh, titles, even without uh, listening to the trucks or looking at them, you know, having the lyrics, uh, mm-hmm. one can guess what the themes would be. Uh, yeah. We may be able to go through, if you have time to stay yeah. with us uh, long enough, to go through every single one of them and uh, just explain to us what the message is behind it. Let's maybe start yeah. with the one where you, it's actually a collab, Waste, that uh, track yeah. that features Seeker. Waste was essentially me coming to terms with people who, who had left my life and basically moved forward. And I was watching on the sidelines of all of, the, all of these people that claim to be friends that essentially just cut me out of their lives and moved forward. And that was a struggle because I was both angry and understood why they had to do what they did. It was a very conflicting place to be in. And so, you know, looking on socials and you know, sometimes social media can get the better of us. And uh, I was filled with anger, but yeah, with that understanding as well. Like, okay, I get why they have to put in boundaries. I get why people have to set their boundaries for themselves in order to keep themselves safe, but also I was very angry that I was left out. And so I essentially wrote this song to help me process that pain, that initial pain. It was one of the first songs actually I, I wrote and I was able to get uh, Torres Strait Island uh, hip-hop artist Sita to feature on this track. And this track is actually all produced by Torres Strait Islanders um, with Candice LeRae from the Marindas who actually produced this track and then we were out at 99100 Studios with Simon Morrow in St Kilda to, to do all this. So it was a really beautiful experience. Wow, wow. That's a, a very, very powerful one here. Then Breaks My Heart, which is actually encapsulates what you just said, but maybe there's a little bit more to learn from this one. Breaks My Heart was essentially, it was, it was my first attempt at um, a more poppy vibe, and it was something that you know, these, these songs are all different genres and different feelings because I grew up basically listening to a lot of different music, you know, and this is why I have a, a blend of hip-hop, indie rock and pop fusion music because it's all the stuff that I was growing up with and Breaks My Heart was essentially that, that pop vibe, but it was a lot of pain. It was dealing with a breakup, dealing with heartache while also trying to move on and 
that was the continuing flow of how I was feeling when I first started writing this project. It was pain. It was all anger at the start, and then it was heartbreak. It was actual heartbreak, and then having to move through all that. And these two, two new tracks, Distance, Moth, M-O-T-H, Matters of the Heart, they are about that healing and getting space and trying to deal with those conflicting feelings. Yeah, so this is just, uh, I mean, steps in your journey, actually, every single track. Yeah, it was a it was a real journey, and I started writing this when um, it was in, in between lockdowns, and I went on a road trip to go see my father, and it was on this road trip where I went alone. It was just me in the road, and I really had to be okay to be on my own and know what that was like, and I started writing this on the road, and by the time I came back, I had a full EP ready to go into the studio. I also say that Project Q is set to make waves also for its cultural significance because it offers mm-hmm. a platform for First Nations voices in the mm-hmm. contemporary music landscape. My, my First Nations heritage as a, a proud Eastern Torres Strait Islander from Ulgar and Arab in the Eastern Torres Strait, yeah. um, I wanted to bring a more contemporary feel into the modern world because there are traditional elements in rhythm that I was raised on with our culture. Uh, Torres Strait Islanders have a lot of percussion and rhythms and, and flows within their beats, but it's also involved with dancing as well. So I wanted to capture that slow rhythm, but with a contemporary modern feel to it. So that way it's the best of both worlds. I always found myself as a person that walks between two worlds. That's what I feel this track really blends. It just flows in and out and that anyone can connect to it and find themselves, if anything. Yeah, because you blend hip-hop, indie rock, mm-hmm. and pop fusion, really different mm-hmm. genres to tell your story in a very compelling yeah. way. Very, very yeah. powerful tracks there. Thank you. The launch? and uh, uh, Yes, yes, uh, coming up soon, actually, 23rd of February, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell us about the launch and uh, those, uh, it will feature a lot of uh, heavyweights as well who will be yeah. there just in support. Uh, tell us about the yeah. launch of uh, the album, the, the EP. Yeah. The launch will be held at the Curtain Hotel um, in Carlton, iconic venue. I really wanted this venue as I supported Stray Blacks uh, last year, um, around the same time, actually. Uh, and it was a beautiful experience. I love the venue. It's a great space. But I'll also be bringing my band, my full band. I have a full five-piece band that will be joining me on stage where we'll be playing all, all of the entire EP live as well as some songs that I worked with Dan Sultan on, a song called Disconnected, which was one of my singles I released last year. I'm very excited to bring the whole band for everyone to see, but also I'm very excited for my support acts. I have um, all-female lineup of support acts, including uh, Charlie Needs Braces, uh, the winner of the Archie Roach Foundation Award, uh, sorry, the Archie Roach, Archie Roach Foundation Award for Emerging Talent at the Music Vic Awards in 2023, as well as uh, Candice LeRae, one half of the Marindas, who will be making her solo debut as well. Yeah, so I'm yeah. very excited to, to have those support acts, and I'm really honoured that they could help me with that, as Candice also did produce all of my tracks. Oh, wow, wow. So heavy weights there. And uh, just yeah. for some of our listeners who may not have heard about you and uh, who happen to be numb because you've performed a lot, although this is your debut album, but you're a great mm-hmm. performer, a great artist. And mm-hmm. uh, just commenting from uh, what I picked up on your website website yep. uh, it, this artist invokes emotion and breaks down metaphorical walls you leave the show screaming f you to the haters whilst <laughs> high-fiving a brother for surviving 
Yes, yeah, that uh, that was a quote from the magazine uh, when I released uh, Disconnected, and um, that was that uh, we did that show at the Corner Hotel with the Archie Roach Foundation and their program called Bring Our Futures, and to hear that sort of feedback from the crowd, and uh, you know, also to have people singing my songs back to me was a really one of the kind experience, and to see that people can connect with the song the way that I connect to them is something that I. I really have no words to describe because it's just a one of a kind experience. Before Thank I let you. you go, any closing mm-hmm. thoughts or maybe a message to put out there to our audience yeah. and uh, the public? Yeah, well, firstly, um, the show at the Curtain Hotel actually has free tickets for uh, First Nations people. So the mob out there, if you want to come through, there's free tickets for uh, First Nations community members. You can find out all the links to get those free tickets from my website or my social media. Um, and, but also... Now, I was really, I was really um, grateful to receive a City of Melbourne grant that allows me to also bring discounted ticket rate, uh, uh, tickets, discounted tickets for the general public. You know, pre-COVID there was tickets were about ten, fifteen dollars, and now it's really expensive to go see, you know, a a, a band on the weekend. They're about thirty-five bucks. You know, I, I understand the struggles of what it's like to be out there in this world as a musician. So I've uh, been able to reduce my ticket sales for general public to fifteen dollars. So. And, you know, it's free and very cheap tickets. So I'd love to see everyone come down and hang out and just enjoy some, you know, beautiful black music. And that was uh, Keyword Canel. We must now step aside when we come back. The 40th anniversary of Medicare and experts' fears. Many in the community do not understand the healthcare system. Stay tuned. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. Welcome back. Now, Australians are celebrating 40 years of the universal healthcare system, Medicare, but many of them don't understand how it works. That's according to a group of health experts who are urging the government to roll out a public education program and improve the country's Medicare literacy. Ruth McHugh Dillon has more. Medicare is turning 40 this year, and to celebrate, the government has launched a special commemorative card. But do you know how that little green card actually works? A growing number of experts is urging the government to go much further than a special card. Peak bodies representing healthcare consumers and medical professionals say the government should fund a public education program about Australia's healthcare system. Dr Elizabeth Devaney is Chief Executive Officer of Consumers Health Forum of Australia, or CHF. The healthcare system is critical to all Australians. We pay for it through our taxes or our Medicare levy or our private health insurance or out of pockets or through buying our medicines or through the petrol it takes to get to the appointments or the time we take off work. It's our health and we have a right to understand what our tax dollar is buying and how we can best use it. When Medicare was first rolled out 40 years ago, Dr Devaney says there was public discussion about how the new universal healthcare system worked. It was in the papers, people understood what its intent was and how they might access it. And indeed, when Medicare first came in, the government funded people whose job it was to go out into communities and be available to explain it to you. Hey, we've got this new thing, it's called Medicare, this is how it works. You're going to get a card, this is how you use it, this is what it pays for. But she says younger people and those who arrived in Australia after 1984 missed out on that education. 
So they just grow up with Medicare. And the thing is that no one teaches you how it works. We don't teach it in schools. Indeed, even clinicians say that when they finish their training and start working, they discover there are things about Medicare that they didn't understand. CHF is concerned that Australians' gaps in knowledge about the health system mean people are missing out and paying more for health care. Their concerns are echoed by the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, which has issued a statement calling for greater health literacy, specifically about Medicare. Both organisations argue that in a cost-of-living crisis, it's more important than ever for Australians to know they are entitled to free and subsidised health care. Last year, the proportion of people who delayed or did not see a GP because of the cost rose to 30%, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Worryingly, those with a long-term health condition were more likely than others to skip their visit. Dr Devaney says it's those people who may actually benefit the most from greater education. In the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, we have this thing called safety net. We have it in Medicare too. When you've spent a certain amount of money in Medicare, the government tells you you've spent a certain amount of money, things will be cheaper for you now. And when you get your medicines, the same schemes, uh, the same kind of scheme applies. So we have a safety net for your um, government-funded medicines. But when you hit the limit, nobody tells you. So we're pretty confident that there are Australians who have chronic disease, who've spent a lot of money on medicines and who don't realise that actually they're past the threshold and the cost of their medicines should have been reduced or indeed free. CFH would like to see complicated rebate processes like this automated and made more flexible for individuals. But Dr Devaney stresses that simple fixes often come down to education. For example, she says many people don't know they can ask their GP for bulk billing, even if it's not the practice's normal procedure. Even if the doctor can't offer a totally rebated service, they will link the patient with other services that can. Dr Devaki Monani is Senior Lecturer in Social Work at Charles Darwin University. She says education programs will also need to take into account migrants' political and cultural context – not only in their previous countries, but in Australia too. There is some sort of a challenge when we uh, put in all culturally and linguistically diverse communities or where, or when we blanket a statement saying migrants. Uh, the issue is that Medicare is eligibility is actually dependent on your visa status. Dr Manani says language can also be a major issue in healthcare settings and in communicating public health messages. But she points out it's not just about the words used, it's also about offering a conceptual framework. One of the easiest language to translate in any cultural political context is the rights language. To say our rights are universal, particularly if you're in a democracy um, like Australia. And so this reminder constantly that as a migrant, you're now settled in a democratic Uh, rights-based welfare system. And I think that's not communicated effectively. Migrants kind of feel they kind of live in fear, and particularly those who are temporary migrants. Dr Manani says that fear can translate into mistrust of institutions like the healthcare system or an unwillingness to claim benefits. We need to remind migrants or and and other non-migrant groups in Australia that Medicare is our basic human right. And we're really lucky 
to have that health platform in Australia and have health accessibility. So we must fight really hard and we must keep communicating to migrants that Medicare is your basic human right and you need to access it as much as possible. For Dr Devaney, it's also a right to education. There are better ways for people to find out about how Medicare works rather than by word of mouth or through personal experience. And so in our budget submission, we're arguing that people um, should be given the opportunity to learn about Medicare and that we would be able to do that for them by providing them with resources in various languages through community access so they can better understand how to make this work for them. In fact, the story of SBS itself is entwined in the effort to communicate public health messages to people who speak languages other than English at home. It was launched by the Whitlam government in 1975. The same year it rolled out Medibank, the precursor to Medicare, with the explicit aim to communicate information about the new national healthcare system. On the 45th birthday of SBS in 2020, former Managing Director Michael Abid reflected on the broadcaster's role. It was a really good policy decision by the then government to set this up to help unite migrants in Australia and to help people understand what it is to be Australian and the fabric of Australia. So I think our role is more important today than ever before in the history of Australia. Ruth McHugh-Dillon, SBS News. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. And that was uh, Mother Tongue by uh, Kucha Edwards. And uh, this brings us to the end of uh, today's program. Your program, NITV Radio, will be back with more stories and news from uh, right across the country on Wednesday and Friday this week. I'm Bertrand Tungendame, thanking you for your company this Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. <laughs>